Hello, happy Friday. Welcome to the I Am The Code podcast. I'm your host, Mariam Jam. You know, you can feel on my voice. I get excited every Friday now to talk to you. My guest this week is absolutely awesome. Her name is Faraja Kota Nyalandu. I caught up with her at Davos and she really inspired me and talked to me about the work she's doing to build the curriculums. We shared so much in common because designing curriculums is one of my favorite things to do. But at the same time, giving infrastructure to boys and girls, connectivity is absolutely key. So we had a conversation about what do we need to do to make sure we are designing curriculums, content that the young boys and girls can have access in schools. But also teachers, people who are teaching these young people, what do we need to do for them? And we had a conversation around policymakers. Can they be part of this conversation? The moment we start designing curriculums, we need to make sure they are part of the conversation. Education is so expensive, but if we don't have people in the room designing solutions, collaborating, sharing ideas, working together, I think we are just leaving so many people behind. So I had a wonderful time with her. She's a young global leader from the World Economic Forum from Tanzania, absolutely amazing entrepreneur. I hope you enjoy our conversation and I so look forward to working with her. It is time for us to work together, to collaborate, but also bring content in the hand of millions of people who have no access to courses, access to content, access to education. It is absolutely time for us to do this together. So really enjoy the conversation and I will see you on the other side. Well, ladies and gentlemen, I'm here at Davos and we are about to finish this week. But again, I have met my fellow young global leader from the World Economic Forum and she's going to talk about building national curriculums. But I'm not going to say things about the work she does, but you guys are going to hear from her in a minute. Her name is Faraja Yandalu. So welcome to the I Am The Code podcast. But can you also tell me what COVID-19 has done for your community you know, you are somebody who's going all across, you know, your community, helping people, talking to leaders, and COVID-19 hit. We all stopped, right? And this is the first time we are meeting face-to-face at Davos. But how did you manage to, you know, just like hold on and cope? Because you are a mother too, right? I am. I am a mother too. And um, when COVID-19 happened in my country, uh, specifically, schools had to close. And I think that was a redefining moment of digital transformation in Tanzania and across Africa, we did not really know the potential of technology in so many spheres of social development. And for the first time, I think, and perhaps the only silver lining of COVID-19 was how much technology can actually play a role in improving the quality of life, in improving our access to so many social services and other services, but also how much we can be connected and how much we can actually leverage technology to support each other's needs. And so we had been working for about about six years when COVID-19 hit. Schools were closed, and throughout that time, we had been building digital platforms on web and mobile. We had been digitizing curriculums. We have content across the spectrum covering all the secondary school subjects and primary school subjects, from learning notes to quizzes to exams to past papers to a virtual teacher, like you name it. And what was really a challenge was actually proof of concept. People believing that they can teach or they can learn through technology. People appreciating the potential of how a digital platform can support their educational outcomes. So for me, and I'm sure for so many digital technologies across the world, COVID-19 was a proof of concept. It presented that chance that this is possible. 
And so the reason I'm saying it was a moment of transformation, the question is, what do we do mm. from that lesson, from that light bulb moment what, that we had after COVID-19? We're now recovering from it, and we're now rebuilding, and we're now perhaps redefining our systems. We are redefining our values. But then we know at the center of all this, technology has a role to play. Mm -hmm. And looking at Davos, I think the discussions should be then, what have we learned from COVID and how can we forge forward together, leveraging technology, but also bringing everyone to the table. I think it's very important that we have to bring the diversity of experiences because COVID was one global pandemic, but it took a different turn in every community. So context is very important. We really have to bring every context to the table. And if we have to design global solutions, but with the local context in mind, inclusion becomes very important. But we also have to make sure that technology becomes equitable. We want to speak to girls in your camps. We want to speak to leaders who are here. We want to speak to policymakers in our own countries. Technology is enabling us to do that. We also want to use it to address challenges in education, to address challenges in healthcare, to address challenges in climate change. So the question for all of us is where do we go from here and who do we go with? I was going to ask you that, actually. I mean, you've been invited to some of the panels and, and, you know, your voice must be heard here as well. But one of the things that I've noticed is that when we come to conferences like this, we are so privileged as young global leaders to actually be invited, to be part of it. But how do we get the voices of people heard after Davos? Because, you know, we're all going to go home tonight and we're all going to enjoy coming to Davos and taking photos and all of that. But that's why I really wanted to have your voice captured on this podcast. How do we go and tell the girls actually... I stand with you. COVID-19 is finished. You don't have a device. You don't have connectivity. You don't have infrastructure. You don't have content. But I'm back in Tanzania. What do we do? How do we make sure now everything we've learned here will go to the communities you are serving? I think that's a very important aspect that you're putting forward because um, ultimately what will really make the difference is the systems we have back home. And the question is, are those systems going to work in the current climate? The question is, are those systems good enough? Are the institutions built within those systems, are they credible, are they sufficient, are they effective to actually drive the change that we're looking for? And I really believe that we may do so much, we may talk so much here on, on panels and in all the discussions we've been having, but ultimately it's about transforming the systems that we have in our own countries. We look at regional cooperation, we look at global cooperation, but first and foremost is what you're saying right now. We go back and we have to look at our national systems and how can you drive systemic change we don't want this to be a talk show we want this to be an actionable a, a result-oriented forum that when you go back we are so fired up mm -hmm. and we want to make this change possible I look at it at different angles. I think as young global leaders, we have the platform and we have the opportunity to speak to our country leaders to actually tell them what is wrong with our systems in the country and tell them how they can be improved and tell them what needs to happen now to make them effective and to make them relevant to the current needs. I'll give an example. Like We're looking at the curriculums in Africa. Are they relevant to the changing needs of the population in Africa? And so that's one aspect of a system that is not efficient, is not effective. And we need to work on curriculum reforms. That is one thing. So that is at the policymakers level. But we are privileged to be in this position and we have the voice, we have the platform. So one thing is about how do we now engage policymakers. But also when I walked in here, I, I was hearing you talking to your girls. It touched me because sometimes we think of change at a very grand yeah. scale and we forget. It's what you said at the end. You gave them a word of encouragement. You said, you did a good job. And you said, I'll make this good. I'll share your voice with the world. 
And sometimes that's all it takes to ignite that one person to tell her that you are doing a good job. You got this and your voice is not going to be limited to Kakuma. Your voice is going to be heard, your impact, anything you're doing in your journey, your challenges, your solutions, your possibilities are going to be shared with the world. I think we need to lift each other up to lift these programs and to present each other in the best light possible. That one girl, that's what she needs. She wants to be seen. She wants to be heard. She wants to be given the opportunity. And that is what it takes. Sometimes it's as simple as that. Sometimes it's not about this change that we want to see. Sometimes it's just what you said. It's the opportunity you gave them. And I think we take for granted such initiatives. We take for granted such human, local, community, contextually based initiatives. But I think with the rest of the young global leaders, we should not take ourselves for granted. Our locally based initiatives, when we touch that one girl's hand, it counts and it matters. I had somebody touching my hand and lifting me up when I was a young girl, and it made a huge difference, and here I am today. You don't know how many girls you'd have, the impact that you'd have. Maybe you'd have 40 of your girls in Davos in 20 years being ministers and being leaders of organizations and being startup entrepreneurs because of that. I was going to ask you about that, actually. For me, you know, the day I met you, I just, there's just something about you I really liked. You know, I, I go through my intuitions. <laughs> it's just something about, I said, I need to have Faraja on the podcast because I really know that you can inspire people. But the, the other thing I was going to ask you is, you know, you work so hard and you've been nominated as a young global leader from the World Economic Forum, you know, in Tanzania. Who has been your mentor? You know, how did you manage to hold on like this as a woman in Africa, especially in technology, building curriculums? But who really mentored you and supported you? I have a great support system. I think um, it's one of the perks of being born in Africa, <laughs> living, in, living in Africa. I have a number of mentors and I think as a human being and as a woman, your needs change over the years. As I said earlier, my mother was a strong mentor in my life. Like she was a teacher and she really had her career transformed so much over the years. And it was about she did not make a difference between a boy and a girl growing up. And when I was growing up, I did not know that I was privileged to have her as a mother with that kind of perspective and attitude. But she's the one who presented me with opportunities especially the mindset that you can do anything, you can be anything. It doesn't matter you're a girl or you're a boy. The world is your oyster. You can really achieve anything you put your mind to. And I think that's the first level of mentorship that I got. The truth is you don't have a lot of women in technology in Africa that we can look up to, that we can emulate. I was telling you earlier, I know you have a son because you showed that aspect of your life to us, that it mattered to you. And for me as a woman, that's why I felt comfortable as well to also share like, oh, I have a struggle now with my son because I knew you can understand that we are... We, women in technology, and yes, we have to work so hard. We are career-driven, we are impact-driven, but at the same time, we are human beings, we are mothers. And I think the sad thing is we don't have a lot of women in tech. And so I'm also proud of the work that you're doing because then I know we're bringing more women in tech to the forefront. We're seeing a whole generation of girls in tech and women in tech coming up. And that means then we'll have a lot more role models. In the next 10, 20 years, yeah. Unlike what we're seeing now, there's not so many of us in Africa. And if they are, I think they prefer not to like share their stories, their journeys, for whatever reason. But I think it's very important for the role models, for the ones who have gone ahead and succeed to put themselves out there so that young girls in Rwanda, in Kenya, in Tanzania can see someone they can say, oh, I look like her and I can be like her. It's really beautiful what you said. Girls and boys, if you are listening, I have my dear young global leader, fellow 
an amazing lady. Write down everything she's saying. Take some notes because it's really important. As she said, you need to find role models. And I think she's one of them. So Faraja, let me just ask you about processes and also content, right? At I Am The Code, we are so driven in creating content for the continent. You know, you know this, you know, not everyone will have access to the education many of us had, right? Or platforms like this at Davos, as you just mentioned. But we have a big problem with our curriculums. And I know this is your baby. This is what you're doing every single day, working with policymakers to have the right curriculum. Because I really believe if we don't have the right curriculum in the continent, there's no need for us to have an education system. What is your organization doing right now to make sure boys and girls have access to the right content, the right education materials, and teachers as well. And what do you want the world to know about your organization here at Davos? The first thing that the world should know about Shula Direct that I founded is that it is possible to learn through technology, even in Africa. <laughs> you find that, oh, okay, why is it not a school? You, you, you see, you have all these almost misconceptions. But the first thing is, it is possible. The results have shown that students who are learning through our digital platforms have improved their learning outcomes, whether it is test scores, whether it's improved academic interest, whether it's improved relations with their teachers, whether it's improved communication skills, like looking holistically at learning outcomes, it is possible. The second thing, our curriculums need to be reformed. And that is something that we are working very, very hard with our content and with our platforms in integrating other skills that we think are necessary and are important in a young person's development. So not just focusing on the content from the curriculum as it is, but then also looking at what other skill can we add that can complement what they're learning in school, but then can ensure that these people are going to be successful and thrive in the 21st century. So that's the second thing that I want them to know. Curriculums can be reformed, and it starts with looking at the skills that needs to be adapted. The third thing that we are so focused on, and that is very important also for world leaders, but also for the community in general, is to understand and appreciate the power of teachers. A great teacher can create a miracle. And where we are today, we need to invest in our teachers, whether it's through their payments, whether it's through their professional development, whether it's through their living conditions, we can look at investing in schools without investing in our teachers. And through Shula Direct, my organization, we also focus on teachers' professional development because we believe a good teacher can transform a hundreds and thousands of students' lives. I totally agree. I mean, you and I, I think we were meant to meet because I Am The Code has just developed a, an amazing platform for girls to learn how to code. And so you can learn soft skills and life skills. But at the same time, I think one of the things my frustration was who will be investing into our boys and girls when they're 19, 20 years old? Why don't we have coders in Africa? It's because no one has created a process. Everyone wants a result. So if you want the Rwandese girls to learn how to code or the Kakuma girls to learn how to code, you need to create the platforms. And the platform where the girls can go and learn how to code, they can test their coding. At the same time, they can get certifications, as you said. If we don't do that, certification, you and I know how important it is in Africa. I didn't go to school, so I don't have credentials many of the young global leaders have, for example. I didn't go to Harvard or Cambridge. But I know that a young girl growing up in Tanzania today will need a certification to get a job without that. So my question to you is, are you thinking about working with the policymakers to make sure they understand this concept of certification? accountability, data, evidence. Otherwise, we are wasting our time in the continent. And in the next 20 years, we can't hire these people. I love how you've spoken about process because I think the good thing with process, it lets you know what needs to be done, who can do it. Because again, we also have people who are already doing like, so let's say we have 
through a direct as a platform, we have a curriculum, we have policies and frameworks and everything, but then we also have I am the code with a ready-made platform that can be integrated. So I think the good thing with the process, it helps you do a needs assessment. It helps you map out what the needs are and what is available as well, because then we don't want to reinvent the wheel. I don't want to create like soft skills content while you have it, while we can just plug it in and like I just call it like plug and play and we can have girls learning in Tanzania. So I just think let's break down the process and let's break it down to understand what needs to be done. What does it take to get to that end goal and who is doing it or who should be doing it? But then also mapping out all the stakeholders in the ecosystem and then understanding how can we bring all these people together collaboratively and not competing to actually achieve the common goal. Education is a human right. Education is a social good. There's so much friction in who gets the credit, who gets the eventually. Like, it doesn't matter because ultimately we want that young girl to learn. We want that young girl to have relevant skills. And collaboration is the way to go. So I am with you on the process. Yeah and ultimately collaboration. Collaboration is so important right now because I was just saying the other day to some of my girls is that for many decades we have wasted so much time on education. And now we have boys and girls growing up in the next eight years. We don't know if they're going to be useful to Africa. But the Rwandese girls will be useful to Africa because they will be software engineers. So they will be hired and they can work anywhere. The Kakumo refugee girls, although they are refugees, they are learning how to code in a refugee camp. And I sit here at the council of the reskilling platform here at Davos, and I'm always talking about reskilling Africans, but reskilling for what? You know, what are we reskilling them for? Would they be useful to the global workforce tomorrow? And I think this is why, to your point, we must collaborate, work together, but also see, you know, what is Farajar doing? You know, what is the other person doing? How can we bring everything together? And so I'm just so happy that you and I met today to talk about this. I've got a couple of more questions for you, but I'm just so honored that, you know, you and I will continue working together. The other thing I know you do is that you focus on the United Nations Sustainable Development Goals. You really are focusing on goal number four. You want to have a good quality education for boys and girls. You know, is it anything else that we need to help you with or work with you to make sure the quality of the education of the girls in Tanzania is actually up at a level where we don't question this anymore? The processes we created must benefit the girls. Is there anything you think we should do together? Yes, I think the first thing, of course, I believe content is king. So I think just keep on building the right content and making sure that it's accessible. So when you speak of access, and I'm sure you notice there's so many issues that we have to tackle, that we need to work together with so many other stakeholders in this space to ensure that we tackle them. We have to look at accessibility. We have to look at affordability. We have to look at uh, usability. We have to look at connectivity as well. So there's so many aspects. You think of devices, you think of the infrastructure. There's so many aspects when it comes to accessibility that we have to work together to address them. And this could not just be organizations. It could also be the private sector, the telecoms coming on board and looking at how can we create more access to these platforms from devices, from connectivity, to affordability, to usability, but also adoption. How can we speak and advocate for technology and digital platforms so that we can change and improve behaviors and attitudes to be positive towards digital platforms? Yeah. I don't want to finish the podcast without asking you. You know, at I Am The Code, we teach young women and girls how to code. We are looking for leaders with critical skills. What are the critical skills you have that the boys and girls listening to you right now should learn, adopt, or actually go and research? Because 
We also need leaders with character. I love just everything about you. You have a character. Right now, they're listening to you in Kakuma, in Favelas of Brazil. Is it anything that you have or a lesson you want to just share with the girls today? I think I have two. And one is based on my own personal life and history. I want you to know you have an opportunity today. Where you are, you have an opportunity. Your history, your location right now doesn't matter. What matters is you and the opportunity presented before you. And my question to you would be, what are you going to do with that opportunity? You have everything it takes to turn that opportunity into a gold mine. We, gold is common in Africa. And I will use that example because a gold mine, you keep on digging and gold keeps coming out. And that's who you are. You have no idea what your potential is. You are like a gold mine. Every day, every opportunity that you get, you are having these skills and you have to keep on digging out of you, bring more out of you, bring out the potential that you can actually use to achieve not just your own personal ambitions, but also that of your community. What is presented to you as an opportunity is not presented to anybody else because it's tailor-made. It's how you respond to it. And I'm counting on you to use this opportunity to bring change, not just to yourself, but also to your community. The second thing that I want to tell you, learn to work with others. You are not an island and you need people, but people also need you. As you're growing, as you're learning, keep sharing, keep learning, but also understand how you can build with others and how others can build with you. You need each other and you need people and you need us and we need you. And I believe we need each other because there's so much more we can do together. So I wish you all the best. Believe in yourself. The world is yours to conquer and you have us to support you. That's amazing. One last question. What gives you hope? Possibilities. Somebody asked me a question yesterday and she told me, what do you think are the biggest challenges in education in Africa? And I told her, I'm no longer a fan of using the word challenges because the question should be, what are the biggest opportunities for education in Africa? So let's talk about opportunities and let's not talk about challenges. And for me, what gives me hope are the possibilities. You see, I think we've tested so many things and now we know what is possible. The question is, how do we scale these possibilities to reach more girls, more boys in Africa? Well, ladies and gentlemen, I am so honored to speak to Faraja. She's really amazing. So, Faraja, thank you so much for coming on the I Am The Code podcast. And we're doing it live from Davos. And I am so happy your voice has been heard and your voice will be heard all across our listening centers. If you are listening to this podcast today, remember what she said, possibilities. The fact that we are sitting here as two African women, you know, sharing this podcast is so unbelievable. You may not understand what's happening here at Davos, but it is really incredible. Any last word you have for the boys and girls listening to you? How lucky they are to listen to us from Davos, right? <laughs> <laughs> yes, yes. Believe in yourself. Someday it will be you. Someday they're going to come and sit on this podcast. Yes, yes, absolutely. <laughs> Thank you so much. Well, have a safe flight home. Like I said, we are so lucky to have people like Faraja working on curriculums. It is absolutely key right now because our curriculums are so outdated. It is important for someone to look into this. At I Am The Code, we are so proud that this is happening. We are giving digital platform to boys and girls. Everyone can have access now for free. I so look forward to working with her. You know, one of the things I've learned this week is that when you are given a chance in life, in society, take it but also build relationships. And I've been saying this in previous podcasts, building relationships, respecting people, having conversations, listening, 
it is so important. If you have not listened to one of the podcasts that Bilao gave us, please go back and listen to the podcast. How do you listen with reciprocity? Take your time to listen. 80% listening, 20% talking. Many people don't listen. The reason why we are making so many mistakes across the world is because we don't listen to each other. And it is important that you take your time and listen very carefully what people say to you. You have been listening to the I Am The Code podcast. I really hope that you know all the tips I'm giving you, you are enjoying it. I really hope the podcast is helping you personally, but also it's helping you grow. Like I said, if you know better, you do better. Don't forget to subscribe to the I Am The Code podcast. Please listen to the podcast wherever you get your podcast from. We are a very small team at I Am The Code, totally dedicated to making the world a better place by creating inspiring content for people who want to do better and be better. We can do better. We can do better for humanity by creating content, curriculums, courses that we can give for free to boys and girls growing up in marginalized communities. I want to thank you personally. Thank you for supporting me. Thank you for listening and your feedback. I do appreciate this every single day. I also want to thank my editor, Max, and the entire I Am The Code team for really working very hard to make sure that we deliver this podcast to you every single Friday. If you are generous enough to want to donate to I Am The Code, please go out there and donate to the I Am The Code Foundation. Each time you support I Am The Code and donate to the I Am The Code Foundation, we are giving this back straight to the girls from marginalized communities. Have a lovely Friday. Don't forget to transform the world. We are committed in changing the world, but we are also committed in changing the state of the world so everyone can feel included, can feel loved, can feel appreciated, and can feel that actually I'm a human being after all. Have a lovely Friday, and I will see you again very, very soon. Thank you, and goodbye.